We are back with the Challenger Podcast, your HR passport to trends and issues. This is a bonus episode. Uh, we got some of your job search questions on Twitter, and we're going to be answering them today. And I'm back with John Workus. Hi, John. Hi, Colleen. How are you? I'm doing well. Good. 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 Uh, so we picked five questions that came in from Twitter uh, okay. to answer. And for those of you who are listening at Challenger Gray on Twitter and Facebook, leave us your questions. We'll always try to answer them. Um, let's just do it. Jump right in. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do uh, it. What the first question was, I went on a few interviews, haven't heard back. When and how is the best to follow up? Good question. Yeah, well, actually, that, uh, that question has a couple of parts to it. Uh, because I'm assuming um, after they went on the interview that they actually sent a thank you note. Oh, um, very good. And if they didn't, they most certainly uh, must do that. Uh, thank yous are extremely important in the follow-up process. Uh, you can do it a number of ways. A lot of people in today's um, age want to just send an email thank you note. Um, they can definitely do that, uh, but you have to also think it may not actually get to the person. Mm -hmm. It might get caught in their um, their filters at the company, so the person may never actually get it. But it's better than nothing. Um, we always suggest the phone is the best method for following up. Um, just call the company the next day or the person who interviewed you the next day, and at the very least, leave a message and just thank them for their time, and uh, you know, move on to the um, you know to the follow up stage. But thank yous are very important, and it wouldn't even hurt to do the old fashioned. Uh, put a thank you card in the mail or thank you, you note in the mail. Stamp, yes. Yeah, get a stamp. Yes, do it the old-fashioned way because uh, two or three days after the interview, uh, your name magically appears in front of them again in the form of a That's thank you right. note. So, uh, very important. Other than that, we try. Uh, we we really advise people. Um, it's important to follow up with every interview every seven to ten days. Uh, until you find out you either um, are being brought in for another interview, you have the job, or the opportunity is dead. Um, and uh, our uh, suggestion is always do it via the phone. Okay. And I also want to ask, when and um, how is the best, but also with whom? Because sometimes it's not the person who interviewed you. It might be the recruiter who's setting it up yeah. to get next steps. Yeah, that's a really good question. If if a recruiter is actually doing the the interviewing, you want to thank them, or you know they're they're setting up the interview. You always want to touch base with them and and kind of go over uh, debrief what happened in the interview. Um, but the thank yous really need to be to the people or to the teams that interviewed sure, you. Um, that, those are the most important ones. If it's a team, save you know three, four, five people. Um, you could do one of two things. If you had the contact information from each one of those, you could send them a thank you or call them for, uh, you know, for the follow-up thank you. Or you could say to the, to the head person, whoever would be in charge, uh, thank you for your time during the interview. Um, I'm really interested in the position. And somewhere in that communication, say, please extend my thanks to your team members okay. as well. So you can Very do it good. that way. Cover your bases. Cover your bases. Okay. Question two. Do I use past or present tense on a resume? Ah, good question. <laughs> yeah. Resumes. Uh, resumes are always written in past tense because they are your past job history. Um, the only exception to that would be uh, your previous job, your, your, the job that you just left. If you are still employed there, which a lot of people are when they start to look for work, 
uh, you can have that position in the present tense. Oh, I um, but, uh, you know, because it just says this is what I do on a day to day basis, but everything else needs to be past tense. Um, also, just, you know, a word of advice um, a lot of times when people have left a company, they, they want to keep their uh, resume showing that they're still working at that company. And many times it's, they, they'll say to us, well, I'm still getting severance from the company, um, so I'm considering myself still actively employed. Um, you can do that, but if someone does a check on you and calls the company and says, you know, when was his or her last day, and it's different from the what from said, what you've said, right? and you're telling them I'm still actively employed there, that's a problem. Yes. It's an ethics problem. So uh, Also, when you're writing your resume, it, you're kind of listing your accomplishments, so there are things that you've done already, too, mm -hmm. right? So when you're, if you're at your current position and you've done something big, you saved the company X amount of money, or right. you managed a project do you put that in the past tense even if it's still your, your current position yeah that would be if, if the project is already done mm -hmm. yes then that that part would be in the past tense okay. so your account and, and that's a really good question because what we want to do in a resume is we want to have a paragraph of what you generally do on a day-to-day -day basis that could be in present tense if okay. you're still there but then the bullets are your accomplishments um, you don't want a resume to be all bullets, mm -hmm. so you want to separate the day-to-day -day from your accomplishments. So the accomplishments would be bulleted, and those would be in past gotcha. tense. Gotcha. Okay, great. Very good. Uh, okay, question three. Just graduated and looking. Only have internship experience on the resume. Can find open positions, but don't know where to start. Help. Yeah, that's a, that's, grad. yeah, that's a good one. Poor, poor recent grads, uh, <laughs> because companies are saying we need experience, but uh, they don't have that experience. And many times in college, um, the college will tell them once you've graduated from our program, mm -hmm. uh, you'll have everything you need to get hired, and that's not necessarily the case. Right. And then when people get out there and they hit the old, uh, you need experience, it's a problem. Um, I would advise that recent grads always start with. Uh, the places that they interned at, um, if, if they made a good impression there, they want to network with everybody that they um, that they worked with. They're not only their supervisors, but other people within the company um, to see if there's not only internal positions available, um, but to see if they know anyone that might be looking for someone with their background. So you always want to start um, at the internship level. Um, following that, uh, what a lot of grads forget is they have an alumni association at their colleges, mm -hmm. and those alumni associations um, are not there just to plan parties and reunions, <laughs> but they're there to help place people. Mm -hmm. And so they really want to go back to the college and um, visit the alumni association and other departments, um, including whatever department that they graduated from, um, to, to check with their professors and the chairs of those departments to find out about opportunities. because. Um, they all know people in the business world who reach out to them, and so the you know it's a natural it's a natural relationship. Okay, great. So that's a couple of things. Other than that, yes, they're probably going to have to start looking for uh, entry level opportunities. Right. Uh, work their way up. Sure. Yeah. And also check out LinkedIn. It has a lot of alumni uh, yes. networks that you can. Yeah, into. they can go into LinkedIn. They can um, you know if they're an engineer, there's engineering associations and clubs, whatever profession they're in or going into, um, there's generally going to be groups or associations or 
um, some type of um, organization that gathers those people together, they want to join those. And meet them face-to-face. And meet them face-to-face as much as possible. Okay. Uh, Question four, which is an interesting one, and I actually read a couple articles about this, or I saw headlines. I don't know if I read the article. Okay. Is it okay to change your title to better reflect your job function on a resume? Uh, Yeah, that's... um... That's a tricky one. Um, I guess the answer to that is yes and no. Mm -hmm. Um, It's yes if the title that you're going to change it to um, is similar enough that uh, it it makes sense. Because what's going to happen is uh, eventually someone's going to check your employment history. And uh, they're going to call your previous company and they're going to say, hey, we're just verifying Uh, their employment. Can you tell us their dates of employment and can you tell us their title? Mm -hmm. So if the title is completely different from what you've told the company or what's on your resume, um, that could be a problem. Um, You know, for instance, a silly example would be if if you've told people you're an architect and uh, the company checks your reference, your employment reference, and they say, well, no, he was a CAD drafter here. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. Okay. So, um, so if you inflate your title. Yeah, don't inflate your title. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, in, in the market, there's a lot of companies today that, that will have titles that are unique to their company. Mm-hmm. And if that unique title, because they're trying to get fancy or, you know, whatever it is they're trying to do internally. A lot of tech companies, yeah, I feel like, have that. They do. They do. And if that title is not going to translate to job boards and keywords that are out there, then by all means you need to change it to, to what's going to make sense for the world. Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, and then the last question is one that I think we hear all the time. How do you address the salary question in an interview? Yeah, the salary question is always one of the most difficult ones. And there are there are some states right now that are actually making it, it, making it illegal to ask that mm-hmm, question yes. because the thought is... Um, it's a discriminatory question because they're they're trying to pigeonhole you into a certain salary. Yes. They should be paying you for what you're worth, not for what you've been paid in the mm-hmm. past. And what you're worth to that company. To that, that company, yes. yes, yes. But unfortunately, it's not in all the states. Mm-hmm. Um, and it will probably be a decade or so before it's uh, a federal law. But right now, uh, what we ask our, our, um, our, our candidates to do when they're out there interviewing is really when that question comes at you, you need to determine how is it being asked. If, if they say, what was your salary in your last job, which they still can tell you, or they can still ask, mm-hmm. you really have to tell them. Um, right. you, if you try and beat around the bush or you know fudge it up or down or whatever it is, that's going to be a problem. Because they, so they can check. They can check. They can check and do check. They do, yeah. And we've even had in instances where um, people, we, we've known about people who have actually gotten hired, mm-hmm. and they've said to them, on your first day, we would like you to bring, you know, not only your, your proof of uh, eligibility work in the country, but also your last W-4. Oh, okay. And um, they're checking those numbers. Sure. So, um, So if they ask you directly, how much did you make? You have to answer it directly. Mm-hmm. If they ask it indirectly, which most of the time they do, you know, what are you looking for in your next right. role, or how much are you looking to make, that type of thing, we want our, our clients to answer that question as indirectly as possible. Too, so you're you're wanting to avoid it. Um, so you want to throw out something that's very innocent, something such as, um, you know, this is a great company and a wonderful opportunity. I'm sure that you pay um, a fair wage. Market price. Market yes. price. Yeah, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, that might be just enough so that the person interviewing you gives up the the mm-hmm. what they pay. They may say, 
well, this is what the job pays. Does that work for you? Mm-hmm. So what you're trying to get them to do is give you the number before you give them right, a number. Right. If that doesn't work, you can say something like, I'm, I'm really looking for a salary um, that's in keeping with the responsibilities of the position. Mm-hmm. And um, hopefully you're trying to draw them out again. If that right. doesn't work, they're probably going to come back and say, um, you know, I need a number. And then you want to say something along the lines of, well, um, I'm looking to, to be at a salary level um, um, kind of where I was in my last position, okay. if you were okay with that salary. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're going to ask you what that number is, and then you tell them. Okay. Um, and so if, if you feel like you were underpaid in your next role, that's the time to voice it. So you would say right something away. like, right away, yeah. you would say, you know, I'm looking for a salary um, in keeping with my past salary, um, but my expectation is, is I'll be at a higher level um, because I was underpaid f- at, at my former company. It could be because you worked at a nonprofit or right. whatever. But yeah, you want to, and, and still you're not giving that number out. Mm-hmm. Um, you're saying, you know, I'd, I'd like to be making around what I was making in my last job, mm-hmm. um, but I would expect an, an increase in that salary because I feel like I was very underpaid for the position. Is or, it good to say I was underpaid in my last year? You can, you can actually say that, yeah, if you can prove that. Okay. So, like, if, you know, if, if it's a profit, if, if the company is a for-profit versus a non-profit mm-hmm. company, non-profits are always paying less. Sure. And so you could use that as your argument, okay. you know. Or I worked at a family-owned company, and, and, you know, by me looking at what the... Um, average wages, um, you know, at the at government websites or salaryfinder.com mm-hmm. type of sites, you know, the average wage is X. I was making ten thousand lower than that, and okay. that seems to be, you know, true for nonprofits or family-owned companies. Um, so my expectation is is that I would be really at market price for this industry and this company. Okay, that makes sense. So something like that. Yeah. Uh, is it good to give a range if they ask? Because uh, they can check. It doesn't yeah, they can. You know, we always advise people don't give a range. Okay. Um, because historically, here's what's going to happen. If you give a range and your number is not in their range, mm-hmm. higher or lower, you've just been eliminated. Okay. Um, and if your number is in that range, We'll just throw out a number here. If you said I'm looking for sixty to seventy thousand, mm-hmm. and that's in their range, they're going to pay you sixty. Right. They're never going to say, right. "Oh, great, we'll pay you seventy. <laughs> never going to happen. Uh, so you may be leaving lots of money on the yeah. table by by doing that. Yeah. So ranges are dangerous. You say I'll make sixty nine to seventy one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> Very and you're still going to get sixty nine. And somebody else is going to get 71. <laughs> so, yeah, ranges uh, are dangerous. Okay. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much, John. You are more than welcome. Thanks font, for asking me. A font of information. There we go. <laughs> and if you have questions, you can find us on Twitter or Facebook at Challenge of Gray. We're also on LinkedIn and Google+. Have a great job search. Bye.